Hello and welcome to Better Under Pressure. I'm Sarah Milne-Rowe, author of The Shed Method and founder of Coaching Impact. And in this podcast, I talk to leaders from all walks of life about being better under pressure and using pressure for better. I want to explore how we handle pressure in a world that is becoming more and more complex, the impact that that pressure has on our ability to perform at our best and what we do to be better under pressure. Any positivity you can offer that's genuine and not fake, it's not the sort of shit sandwich, it's a proper positive thing, it's only going to play well for you. But I think that's the one thing I would say. Go deep down inside yourself, think about the thing you really, really, really value or love about this conversation, this person, the brilliant moment you've had with this person and pour it into that conversation at the get-go and then you will have a much better conversation. Today I'm talking to Louise Moore. Managing Director of Michael Joseph, one of Penguin Random House's biggest commercial publishing lists, specialising in women's fiction, crime, thrillers, cookery, memoirs and lifestyle books. She worked her way up the editorial ladder starting as a PA and joined the division as an editorial director in 1997 before being made publishing director in 2001. She's been MD for over 15 years. Now, Louise leads a talented publishing team dedicated to delivering the very best commercial fiction and non-fiction. Her authors include household favourites like Jamie Oliver, Nadia Hussein, Dawn French, Jojo Moyes and many more. She's also an external governor at the University of the Arts London and last year was head judge on Channel 4's Great Cookbook Challenge with Jamie Oliver to find and publish untapped cooking talent. In our conversation, Louise talks about how the fear of judgment impacted her physically, the journey she's on regarding her emotions and is, in her words, still trying to crack, and the value of locking herself in the loo for five minutes. I was especially grateful to Louise as we recorded this conversation on her birthday. Louise, thank you so much for joining me on Better Under Pressure. I'm so excited that you're speaking. It's a pleasure to be here, Sarah. Marvellous. So, Louise, let's get into pressure. How do you experience pressure? How do I experience? I experience pressure when I feel um, very short-tempered and I realise it's my sleep is getting more erratic than it usually is. I'm not the most brilliant sleeper, but I absolutely can tell when the pressure is starting to seep in because I have a few nights where it's really not very good at all, my sleeping. Um, and I feel it in my body, really. Mm. But that's that. That's when I know. I don't think I actually intellectually realise. Oh, now I'm really. There's an awful lot going on. It's piling up. I just I just feel a, a tightening in my body, and that does affect my responses, and it affects my sleep. So it's very. It's quite a physical. Yes. And in terms of the way it affects your responses, is that the short-tempered bit that you were referring to? Yes, I, I, I would say that is that is that is the thing I have to be the most sort of aware of myself because I don't I, I feel it's very, very easy to project that out very quickly for me. So I, that is absolutely definitely um, the, the, the thing that I, I want to react very quickly and usually often very negatively to things when I'm feeling under pressure. Yeah. Okay. And, and have you learned that over time? I mean, that impact that you're talking about there, I think, I, I mean, I think this is so relatable. 
the journey of how your pressure or how your response to pressure impacts others. Have, has that been people have told you that? Have you noticed it? Have you how have you learned about that journey? I've I've never been told it. The only one of the people that pulls me up is my youngest daughter, and she sometimes says, "Mum," you know, and she'll, she'll sort of react to something I've said. She's very um, uh, honest with me about things. Um, I, I was trying to think about when I when I knew I was going to be on this podcast. I was trying to think about when I became aware I I, I was under pressure, and I know a lot of people suffered through have suffered through school exams um you you know college exam stress getting first job stress yeah honestly when I look back on it I don't I don't think I did I was quite lackadaisical in that way I went to a, a, a high performing school and I was always one of the sort of ones that wasn't at the top I wasn't what my my colleague would call a shiny new penny but I wasn't the dirty old penny either. <laughs> sort of sitting around the middle I wasn't yeah. noticed very much um I didn't necessarily want to achieve um mm. I didn't I didn't I don't think I was I was aware that I wanted to do something get somewhere I did get into a great university but actually it was after a lot of rejection from other universities which compelled me to try and get into that university so that was a strange journey in itself and I know I don't ever remember and I'm, I think that's a huge tribute to my parents because I, I I don't ever remember feeling any pressure to do well at school I don't ever remember feeling any pressure to get a good job even though everybody at my level at university went bounced straight into jobs and I was one of the very few that didn't have a job when I left so that was quite an interesting part of me that actually I've, I think I probably lost along the way which um felt quite relaxed about things really I was just happy to see where life took me and I didn't get my ambition until I was way into my late 20s I would say I was quite happy pootling and pottering along I was more interested in my friends in relationships you know really um didn't ever have much money uh, would just manage to get by on things so I, I sort of think I equate, for me, I equate pressure, certainly work pressure more with beginning to get a little bit of success um, in what I was doing. Yeah. Um, okay. and, that, and that feeling that, oh, well, maybe I should try a bit of this and maybe I could be quite good at this. Um, but I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't have any expectations on myself. I think I was more interested in my relationship with other people for quite a long time. Gosh, I, I mean, that, that's such a different response actually from you know I think I've done six of these now and I think that's you saying actually you sort of bobbed along in school and it wasn't like it didn't really matter to you so much is 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 a great is is actually very refreshing Louise I mean I I actually sat through my entire chemistry O level because I didn't take it and I was told (laughs) I had to it was a kind of silent protest and I got a U which is unclassified so it didn't go on any paperwork so was that, that was a brilliant wheeze and um and yeah I mean I really I really do think that's that's true um I'm trying to see if I was actually dressing that up but I don't think so I mean obviously I had to take exams I remember staying up all night to do that and but I was quite I was fine in exams I I, yeah. I you know I absolutely what that wasn't my time for for feeling pressured no. at, at all no. there are things I didn't like that were going on in that that part of my life but and I wasn't happy about, but it, it wasn't pressure. 
I don't know. And I'm also hearing a little bit of rebel, actually, if the pressure was expected, like that whole idea of going into an exam and not even bothering answering no, it. I, think, you know, I, I, I definitely think I've squashed that part of myself. I, I don't know if my boss would think I have. because Sometimes I really do want to rebel. But I, def- I definitely think that's there. But also, I, I think, interesting, this is a great thing for me to do because it's making me think. I think I have always thought to myself, I've always had a little bit of a belief in myself that in, in the world that things kind of, there's a happenstance about it. You know, mm. things will happen uh, or maybe they won't. You know, there's, there's, I, I feel I do understand there are lots of things that are outside our control and we can only do what we can. And I yes. do think that's something I've had for a long time in my life. I think my father definitely had that that in him and I probably unwittingly unknowingly had a little bit of picked that up a little bit yes so not to say I'm not highly competitive highly competitive because I am um so that's interesting I don't know where that's I think I I think all my friends and colleagues would say that about me but I don't know where that sits with that but yeah highly competitive competitive is that a is that a competitive pressure or what's what's the competition about in that regard? Is it about you? Is it about you being highly competitive about your authors? Is it, you know, what is that? Yeah. What is that? Well, well, that's changed as I've gone through life and I've had children and I've got more success. Um, I definitely, I definitely remember the drive to actually earn money because yes. if I didn't earn money, how was I going to really survive? I mean, I'm, I'm very lucky. I come from a, a really really solid background but I wasn't going to be given lots of money I wasn't going to inherit any you know mm. that wasn't the thing um for me which I think is actually probably quite a ghastly thing to have in your life to be honest to know that you've got you, you're going to take something over I I didn't yes. I'm so happy I didn't have that I, I mean I was supported by my my mum and dad but no no question but um so I definitely had to I I you know I think any person should not feel embarrassed about Feeling they want to earn more money, they want to, they want to whatever they want to do with it, however they want to, um, whatever they want to put it into in their lives. I think that was definitely a motivator for me quite early on to feel that. But I think that that goes deeper as well because I think particularly if you're a woman and you're a woman growing up, actually starting work in the 1980s, that gave you independence, which I didn't recognise at the time. I think having earning money gave you a feeling of agency and that was definitely a driving force for me then once I actually started publishing and I started to um buy authors which which happened totally by chance you know mm. really I, I look back it just happened to be a conversation I was having with our then art director late at night I never stayed late at work but I happened to be staying late because I was having a drink with a friend and the then um MD walked past and heard me and I promise you this is true heard me having a conversation <laughs> with our then art director Thought I sounded like I kind of might know what I was talking about, about about a cover, I think. And phoned me next day and said, come out to lunch. And I thought, oh, this isn't good news. What's going to happen? And, and then he said, um, well, I'd like, to give, I'd like to give you a job. I think I think you could commission. And I want to put you on the sort of on, on commissioning fiction by women, you know. Um, and, that's, and, 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 and that's how I got into what I was doing. You know, wow. really, really. And I bought my first author. And then I really wanted her to succeed desperately, you know. Yeah. But for myself as well, yes, and, for my, yes. and for my company, you know, yes. you, you have an ambition to do things on many levels, don't you? But yes. really, I mean, if you're a publisher or anyone that works taking care of other people's careers, um, that's a really important part of it because you feel how important it is to them. You feel you're letting them down. So I think that definitely added a 
added a, ch- a chunk. Yeah. Before, which is yeah. which you could call you could call pressure, I suppose. You could, but uh, but I hear what I'm hearing from you is that when it's when it's in service to somebody else, it doesn't feel quite so burdensome. Uh, I don't know about that because I'm not sure if you talk to any anybody any acting agent or publisher it does feel burdensome when you let you feel like you're letting someone down okay uh, um it doesn't it doesn't affect you immediately in quite the same way uh but I but I do think it's worth acknowledging mm. we all you know we all have that in our lives don't we whatever profession you're in whether you're a lawyer or a medic or you know mm. what you do you know you you don't you want to help you want to make like people's lives improve people's lives yeah you know yes but but definitely but definitely have success were very important to me as well by then they started to become more important yes okay so how interesting like the the journey you've painted so far has felt not too pressured it's felt very enlivening in lots of ways Louise yeah so at what point did pressure start to feel different for you or something that you needed to pay more attention to well um I think it's gone in stages for me and I think actually truthfully since the lockdown and the pandemic and coming back now into a different life and a different world and trying to sort of re-navigate that in the last few years I felt I have felt the effects of stress much 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 more and I don't know if that's my age uh, I don't know if that's the circumstances. I don't know what it is, but I definitely don't like that. And I would like to find some ways to deal with that. And I want to do that. When I was in my 30s and I had my daughters, I think a different pressure seeps in. And I do think that anybody who's a working parent will understand that, which is wherever you are, whoever you are, if you have children and you have a work life, you have to try and find that balance. And it's a male and it's a female you know, um, challenge, should we say, because it's a nice challenge, but it is a challenge. Um, I, I think it's really wonderful that we all can have work lives. And if we can have work lives that we enjoy, that's an extraordinarily lucky thing. It, so it's not something to complain about, but it is very, very difficult. And I can actually remember, and I've said, I've told this to a few few people and they've all gone, oh, I did that. I I used to come home from work and try and sort of park the day, come in through the door, desperate to see my girls when they were little. And I would have to actually go and lock myself in the loo for five minutes Mm -hmm. just to kind of get ready. And I don't think I did it very successfully because I do remember one of them threatening to throw my then Blackberry in the bath once because I, I and I do regret that actually I don't and I think getting my full attention has been something which my poor husband who never complains but and he's wonderful but would say gosh yes no I don't think I've ever had that or or my daughters would have said they were, when they were younger they would have liked they would have appreciated I, I don't want to put words in their mouth but I'm, I'm definitely aware I've got a sort of slight brain that goes off at lot you know I, I, I can do I can multitask but that means that I find it very, very hard to focus. Yeah. And actually, I've had, I've got, I've had two bosses. I've got, I've got the same. I've got one boss. I've always, I've had for a very, very long time, and his boss. And both of them were absolute R. 
brilliant at giving you their full attention. And I think that's a really, really, really great thing to learn. And I think possibly there is something in that around reducing stress, because if you're thinking about lots and lots of things at once, you feel very stressed and tablets and messages coming in while you're actually talking to someone, all those things mitigate against that. So they do play to my natural instincts, which is to deal with lots of things at once. But I don't think it's great. And when I was in, so I, I was never one to go, I'm going to switch off my device. I'm going to give my, you know, by the same token, if I needed to go to a sports day or my child was ill or um, needed picking up from somewhere, I could do that, particularly once I got to be more senior. Yeah. So it wasn't like some people I, I know who were tied to their desk and couldn't and had to try and find, or tied to their work and just couldn't leave and had to try and find alternatives that, if that happened. I was very, yes. very lucky like that. Um, and I ha- have had a very, very supportive boss who has picked things up for me in dire circumstances, uh, which I'm incredibly grateful for. And I try very, very hard to reflect that with my team. So actually one of my passions, and I really hope they would say that I, um, I fulfill this, is that family comes first, home comes, well, not any, any you know home comes first home trumps yeah. work is one yeah. of my favorite things to say mm. I don't mind saying it publicly because I believe it a lot of my team have small children or teenage children life gets much tougher when your team you well life gets much more interesting and complex should we say when you're when your children grow if yeah. you're lucky enough to have healthy children as they get older they need you more totally yeah. think that's true yeah I and agree so to say to someone whose child is in 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 a, in a in not in great shape, you just be there. You just go there. You do that. I have been able to do that with members of my staff. In in, in some cases, saying, "Why don't you just take a take a, a take take time at home for two months and not sort of you know just work from home?" Yeah. And I've done done that for for a long time, and um, that's just such a much better thing to do. Yeah. If, you tr- if you trust your staff and you know they're going to deliver anyway, which I completely know they are, they're all, you know, driven to succeed in their o- own spheres, then I don't think that, but I think the quid pro quo for that then is you are going to be working sometimes when you're at home, when your two worlds are going to collide. collide. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you may have to take a phone call at 10 o'clock at night from someone in the States or answer, a, answer an email from an author at a weekend. Yes. Um, but so I, think, it, I think people understand that, you know, I, I, I absolutely do. Yeah. Um, but that can lead to a lot of a feeling because you've got someone talking in one ear and you've got an email coming in in the other. Yeah. That's something I, I honestly haven't cracked, Sarah. No, no. I mean, I think many, many people will relate to that, Louise, and me included. This, this, this ability to uh, boundary or... <laughs> Take that time. I mean, even if it is sitting in the loo, I mean, I, I, I have many clients that could relate to that moment in the toilet. You know, <laughs> it might be it might be a moment at the gate or it might be just like the time, the walk between the train and the, and the front door or, it, you know, before COVID. It, you almost have to strategically plan these moments of recovery yeah. so that to- you can... I mean, you know, um, I, I am a mother, first and foremost, no, no question in my in my head and my heart. I used to long for work trips. I was so excited. I would guard them jealously. 
<laughs> and I know that's true of my team. So have a little hotel room. No yeah. one. By the way, going into the loo didn't work because they just followed me in. We we never yeah. had any locks. Then <laughs> 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 they come and sit on the floor. So that didn't really work. Oh, bless them. Oh, no, I know. I know. I know. Yeah. I know. I know. So and, I, and, and also, I'm so proud and glad, by the way, that they have had this experience because I think I don't. I hope they wouldn't say, "Oh, Mum, I wish you hadn't worked." I, you know, I think they've got a lot out of it as well. I hope they have. I think. Yeah. They have. I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, it, and it's always a gamble, isn't it? All the choices you make at that yeah. moment will have yeah. an upside and a downside. And yeah. you're, particularly when you're a working parent. First of all, I want to honour Louise's raw openness here when she says, I honestly haven't cracked this, Sarah. But she's not alone. It's really tough to remain fully focused and to give your full attention when there are so many competing priorities. Louise's moment in the loo is important to acknowledge. We all need micro moments or perhaps macro moments to transition into being fully present with what or who matters most. The key is to give ourselves the transition time, which of course can feel counterintuitive when we're under pressure. I'm reminded of something a director said to an actor who needed to be even more present in the scene. She said, as you listen, make the other person more important than you. I think that's the most useful definition of being fully present that I've ever heard. And it acts as a very helpful reminder to me when I find myself getting distracted or getting stuck in my own head. Also, the point Louise makes about multitasking is worth mentioning. She says, I can multitask, but I find it very hard to focus. It takes energy and effort to fully focus, and particularly when we're feeling pressure. And under pressure, our instinct and urge is to try and control many things and to just keep doing. Then, in acknowledging her boss's ability to give his full, undivided attention, she makes a useful connection, yes, to how this makes her feel, but more importantly, the realisation that when we are able to focus on one thing with our undivided attention, that choice to focus on one thing fully actually releases pressure. So the things that I think are worth highlighting here are, one, honour the time you need to transition fully from one state to another, What's your equivalent of Louise's recovery in the loo moment? And secondly, to be more fully present when it matters, try making the other person more important than you. So Louise, what is the worst pressure, would you say, you have ever experienced? It was quite recently, actually. It was last year. So I... Okay. Yes, that was sort of interesting. I mean, I don't want to paint it in a negative light because actually I really enjoyed, I enjoyed aspects of it hugely. But I, I went on a TV show and which I actually and I with Jamie Oliver who I love and adore and is by the way like said publicly the most incredible person um and I, and I and I love doing it with him but being totally out of my comfort zone at the age of 58 was really difficult <laughs> <laughs> I realized I got used to just saying oh yeah don't like this blah blah blah, blah you know yeah. and I couldn't do that and I know people say push yourself out of your comfort zone and I have done that in other ways. So I've taken up uh, um, uh, a non-exec role as a governor of a university, which I adore. And I would say that, I mean, that's one of the best and happiest parts of my work life. And that's wonderful because you're not paid. Uh, you don't have any, you don't have to do anything, but you can go in and you can talk to people and you can absorb things and you can give them the benefit of your point of view it's been incredibly helpful to me because it's made me see myself through other people's eyes. I think if you work in the same space for a long time, you get to yeah, understand yourself through one prism only. And actually it's been so great to see, oh, maybe I, maybe I can do that or maybe I'm like that. 
really, or, oh, gosh, people do think that my opinion matters on that. Not that it doesn't at work, because I know it does, but when you think you know what you're doing, there's a bit of sort of, okay, now I can do this. Um, maybe not always perfectly well, but, you know, I, I understand it. So that's been great, but actually going in front of cameras and... <laughs> As it, turned out, as it turned out, being in every single episode, which wasn't what I was expecting when I took it on at all, but I said yes. Um, I just hadn't really sort of thought about it properly, um, which is typical of me. Um, uh, no, well, you know, I, I, I just thought, I said yes because it was Jamie. That was yeah. very, very stressful. And I was quite shocked at how much I felt that physically. Um, and even the filming of it was fine because it was very professionally done. I was really looked after. After a couple of wobbly starts, I, I sort of understood that I was just basically doing the day job in front of a camera yeah, in a different way. And that was fine. But when it came close to being aired, I got, I actually honestly think I got ill. Um, I had this problem with my stomach and I, I just thought I felt terrible. And I had to have some sleeping pills because I couldn't sleep. And I think that was just fear of exposure, yes. which, um, mm. which I thought, oh, gosh, I, I did, you know, yeah. So, that, so you'd that, done oh, all the filming yeah. and it was the anticipation yes. of it actually yes. being released that yes. made you feel sick. And yes, Ill. yes. And they sent me a rough, I mean, you know, I didn't even know if anyone, anyone was going to watch, but I knew that people in publishing would watch because, you know, we're a highly competitive bunch and a lot of people would be there going, oh. She doesn't know what she's talking about or oh, don't like his earrings or whatever. Um, so that, there's that feeling of being judged, I think. Mm -hmm. you know. mm, yes. So the pressure was less about being out of your comfort zone, doing something different. It was more about the anticipation of judgment. Yes, that's right. Thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> Right. Well, I think it's yeah, interesting right. isn't it because yeah. like I think sometimes we get rocked by pressure and we're we're in the we're in the midst of feeling it but we're not really stepping away to think what is it about that pressure that is mm. derailing me mm. you know I mean, that that was that exactly that that that's right and, and and I think it was fear of judgment um in in a very public way because you know being on channel four for an hour a week is is for seven weeks it's quite a lot of exposure um yes but somebody else might have been in that position and thought how, how do I speak in you know the pressure of speaking in front of a camera and you know not having a script but freewheeling trusting your knowledge but you know being very in front of a camera that, that might have been the pressure moment for somebody yeah, else it might I, there, were, there were thousands of cameras yes yes <laughs> Uh, it wasn't that I, I didn't mind that I quite like that it, it, it wasn't that I felt I felt that was fine really I um yeah it was fear of judgment but but going back to the beginning of when we were talking about feeling extra pressure post-covid and yeah I, I have never felt so much this is not any anything anyone's putting on me although I suspect it is it is coming from a place of what's going on in the world and 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 pressure a lot of us are feeling because everything's yes. changed and the, the 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 economy is in a slump and you know we've had a couple of great years in our business because of we had a huge covid bounce in publishing because mm. people were at home and they were buying lots of books and it was absolutely wonderful and we were sitting there when everyone else was in so having mm. a meltdown and and our and our you know and and books are people love books they, yeah. they, they you know which is a wonderful thing i mean you know but um, I think there is financial 
pressure now and that's quite difficult because it's a it's it's also an industry where there's only there's a lot you can do to affect what's happening but some of it is out of your control when a book really starts to take off that you're not expecting and anybody yeah. who works in publishing who says they don't know what that is is not telling you the truth we've all had books that we thought oh that could be quite nice I'll buy that for you know this amount of money and suddenly it explodes and yes. then it gives you a huge cushion of a financial cushion <laughs> but to actually do that on a regular basis is much more difficult well, very difficult yeah. um and so I, I am very preoccupied with how to absorb pressure which I'm putting on myself probably as much as anything at the moment to be the shiny new penny to be successful and not push that down onto the team who I know are feeling pressure anyway of their own you know? and how do you do that how do you recognize that and well I had a bad day yesterday and I was not I was a bit rubbish yesterday and I could tell that I was giving short answers to people and I was and actually the sensible thing to do would have not not been to respond to much yesterday if I could have avoided it it's quite difficult to do that sometimes because you need to give responses everyone seems to be very overworked and also in a mm. everything needs to be done now I don't yes. know why I feel like that we all feel like that at the moment um, I think everyone's feeling like that at the moment yeah is it is it is it is it probably a lot of people leaving or some people leaving in around yeah. us and changing their lifestyles and yeah taking a little bit longer to hire the right people because we passionately want to be hiring the right people. We want to be so much more inclusive as an industry. We are not, we are getting there, but it takes a little bit more time because again, you're going out of your comfort zone. To, you know, you're, you're going into new territories yeah. to, to find your um, employees. Um, a lot, a lot of, a lot of things. And, and, you know, the economy is weird. People's buying habits are changing, you know, yeah. they're buying more online. We need to work out how we can talk to people directly so we can influence their buying habits. Um, yeah. We, we are so is all of that. So all of those things build up for you as a leader within yes. the publishing. Yes. And then, yes. and then are you saying that yesterday was a bad day in your mind? You know, if you track back and think about yesterday, like we all have really great days and we all have really not so great days. Yes. And I think too often we just roll. We yes. roll from one and we just think, oh, well, is it going to be a good? Is it going to be a bad? But if we were to go back, like it just in this moment in time, you and I talking this through, you say you didn't have a very, you know, yesterday would be a day where you wouldn't put it up there as being one of your most successful <laughs> days. So, Sorry, so what you're watching. <laughs> So, you know, if, if we were to analyze that just for a minute, put it on the microscope, what do you think was the was the route? If you could rerun it, Louise, what would you have done differently? Um, I think I would have um, I think I, I think I think I'm more inclined to say, well, I think whether you have a good day or a bad day is entirely down to how you are feeling inside yourself about about your situation and how you can conduct yourself and how you yep. can control that feeling or turn that feeling into something um, positive. And it's due to confidence, actually, really, to be honest with you. So if I'm feeling in a confident place, then I can be incredibly positive and supportive and fun. I, I like, I have a very, I have a team of about 55 people and most of them, all of them are really, funny they love they, they they love laughing they you know we have constant jokes 
about things some of them probably not <laughs> probably not for public consumption but you know but it, it's our it's part of our sort of lingo and it's a very publishing thing because it's you know people we all know each other we all we all laugh at each other it's it is a lovely industry publishing it, and actually interestingly having just as an aside having worked for the tv industry there's some wonderful people in the tv industry i i do love publishing it's just it's just <laughs> it's just it's just a little bit gentler i think mm -hmm. you know a little bit gentler it's it's 80 percent female maybe maybe more um that's not to say we would love some more men i mean we really would in there because we we need we need a really good mix so that we can produce books that across the whole yeah. reading spectrum um but um there's there's a kind of there's a kindness and a forgiveness to publish in publishing i think um which which can can play bad but is often good but um uh, yesterday sorry. but yesterday yes i just was thinking why can't you do that better come on pull yourself together this is not to your, you're talking to yourself uh, or you're well, talking about I guess people. actually I probably was talking to myself but I was actually thinking about my team <laughs> and those okay. things they were in a position where they just couldn't do anything right I think and and I and I I actually have learned enough not to I have learned enough to set to measure my conversations now and not go in and go why do you like oh, this is a mess why haven't you done this you haven't thought this through I don't do that but I but I do put those questions um, and I don't think I always put them in a very helpful way. And I think what I'm really saying is I think sometimes you want to try and be better in yourself during the during that day. Sometimes you just can't be. You just can't be. You just feel like that. And I think I know. I think I know. You, you can't. You, you can't, can't be. be. Yeah. You yeah. just can't be. We're human. And I think if you feel like that, if you can possibly avoid having those conversations that day, you should. Yeah, because you can't magic yeah. yourself into a different headspace. You can work yourself into a different headspace. You can do positive things. I listen to music I love. I do yoga. I hydrate. I look at the flowers. I do all the things you're meant to do. I know what to do, but I honestly can't tell you hand on heart, truthfully, that would necessarily change the way I felt that day. I do know certain things I'm looking at, like financial, a set of figures, or. Um, uh, uh, a difficult email from someone I've got to deal with can put me into that headspace very quickly. I should learn not to look at that, not to read that until I'm feeling in a better space. Yes. But, so, but again, that's a luxury. You can't always do that. Sometimes you have to respond to that. Um, I, I, I'm, you know, I am, I'm not going to lie. I am, I am an emotional creature and I'm not going to, I don't want to be someone who goes, I can rise above this. I'm not going to, you know, I don't, I don't really hold with that. I don't, you know, I, I, I hold with keeping your emotions in check and I hold with being professional, but I don't hold with saying we're all Teflon and we all have to behave a certain way. I don't think that is necessary. Um, I think what I do, well, I tell you what I do do now. And I, I, I do that, this actively to my, my management team, mm -hmm. who I totally trust. And I think you get the worst of me, to be honest with you. I do, I do say to them, um, I'm feeling very stressed. I, you know. Okay. Yeah. So, so so if this comes out wrong, I'm sorry. But the thing about that is they then take that on anyway, because I think they, mm. you know, they know I'm feeling stressed for a reason. So it's 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 very difficult. I'm I'm being honest with you because I haven't cracked it properly. Yeah. You no. Know, yeah, yeah. 
do you give them the same permission to be able to say, I'm feeling this, and I, so therefore this might not come out um, in the way that I intended? It's, it's unspoken, but I think I've recognised much more when they are, and to give them leeway, and to think, actually, I'm not going to say that. I'm better at helping other people than I am myself, I think. Mm. I, I can see when someone's been like, I, I won't say that now, because I can see this is going on, or I'm just going to hold this back for a bit, or actually... This is going to unwind and it's going to be fine. I'm just going to let that be. And that's, I've got much, much better at that. Before I would have, I, I understand, I can, I think I can read other people and well, yeah. and I understand when they're not feeling good. Um, but yesterday, if, I mean, you know, if, if I sort of had to push you about yesterday, if you could rewind yesterday, what is the one thing, Louise, that you would have potentially have done differently if you could name one moment where you think actually if I had just done that that might have made or created a different outcome I think I would have avoided about three different conversations that I thought I had to have yesterday um, because of timings but actually it wasn't the best time to have it yesterday probably so I so love that as an offer because I think AI can relate to that. And I'm sure many people could relate to that, that sort of sense of urgency that comes when you pick something up, mm. <laughs> you want to solve it or sort it. And actually in hindsight, you're not in the most useful state yeah. to do that. Because guess what? The one thing I have learned, which I'm now much better at, I think is, so we do staff appraisals. I have never been into a staff appraisal where I have approached it with a really loving and positive head on me saying, these are, this is why you're so great. And I truly believe, you know, unless you're really struggling with someone, you're trying to manage them out of a business, you know, most of the time, there are, there's a great, most of what people do are great. And then there are some things you need to prove. I have re I honestly think I have really constructive, positive staff appraisals because I put myself in that, you know, I can deal with other people a lot better than I can deal with myself. Let's put it that way. I can put myself in that warm, positive headspace and I can say, okay, these are things I'm celebrating about you. You're fantastic at this and this and this. If you can only do this, you can rule the world. And I, you know, I would, I would appreciate that being given to me. I think mm. when you get to a, a very senior level, you don't, you don't get that. Um, yeah. You know, you don't get the person saying, wow you know, look at what you've done here. This is great. You don't ask for that. You don't expect that. You don't get that. But I do want to give that to my team because any, any positivity, any positivity you can offer that's genuine and not faked, as in it's not the sort of shit sandwich, you know, yeah. it's a proper positive thing. It's only going to play well for you. Yeah. But I think that's the one thing I would say. Yeah. Go deep down inside yourself. Think about the thing you really, really, really value or love about this conversation, this person, the brilliant moment you've had with this person and pour it into that conversation at the get go. And then you will have a much better conversation. And then you will find the person going, yeah, I just done this then blah, blah, blah. You know, lovely. And also lovely. thinking about why that person hasn't done that. Why hasn't that person done that? It's not because they're lazy or stupid or forgetful I know they're none of those things why what's stopping them doing that and how can you help them start not doing that yeah great such a, such a more energizing conversation to have with someone as well when you start in that place I find you know that I'm sure I learned that from you Sarah <laughs> I'll take it Louise <laughs> 
Louise says that at her level of seniority, she has no one to give her the fantastic boost that she's just delivered. And frankly, very few of us do. So we have to be better at boosting ourselves. If you're listening to this and you too would value some self-appreciation, take a moment. I'm going to use the exact words that Louise has just shared for your self-appraisal. Put yourself in that warm, positive headspace and celebrate you. Say it out loud to you or write it down. You're fantastic at if you just did more of, you would rule the world. This is great. Go deep down inside yourself and think about what you really, really value about you, the brilliance you have, and pour that positivity into the conversation you have with yourself from the get-go. You know you're not lazy, stupid, or forgetful. So ask yourself, why haven't you done that thing? What would help you start? When we're under pressure, we have to be better at remembering our strengths and trophy moments. All I've done there is turn those words around and face them directly at you. Every time in these podcasts, I ask the question, um, if there's somebody listening, and, and in a way you've just sort of potentially mentioned one, Louise, I don't know, but two things that you would pass forward to anyone listening to this podcast who wants to be better under pressure. I would say, be kind to yourself and understand yourself and don't beat yourself up for feeling that way. Accept it. And really, really recognize that that is how you are feeling in that moment. Don't, don't, don't ignore it. Pause and recognize it. And the second thing I would say is understand that you risk passing that down or across to whatever conversation you're having. And remember, you don't want to do that. And how do you want that other person to feel? For looking after yourself, um, I think that also applies. Because I think if you have a positive conversation with someone or you give something out to someone who then gives it back positively, you're going to suddenly, you're going to feel that stress lifting. Yeah. And I think fighting that stress is counterproductive. Yes. By the way, pressure and stress can be very, very good. Totally. I just like to say that. And um, there's a there's a very so so going back to the TV, uh, pressure and stress is a positive because it makes you perform. And I've had many, many an author, including the late great Sue Townsend, who always needs to be mentioned in any conversation, who could only <laughs> when the deadline was passed. Now that did put a lot of pressure on other people but she couldn't make herself function until, until the deadline was passed. And we, we should have years to write an Adrian Mole novel. And we thought, I wonder if she started, I knew she hadn't. <laughs> There's six weeks before I'd be saying to the whole team, I'm sure she started. And you know, the people who are going to put the book through and copy edit and be going, any sign of a delivery? And I'd, I'd go and see her and she'd go, well, I'm thinking about it. And, Honestly, it was always an enormous. So that's the other thing I think, you know, being, being, being a bit lackadaisical and working to a deadline does put other people under stress and you have to understand that. But it was the only way she could operate. You know, you and I both have wonderful children who are actors. And I think that pressure and the adrenaline is probably the only way they can yeah. perform in the moment. Well, I mean, it's the, it's the theory behind the title, Better Under Pressure. I mean, yeah. I, I really believe that we are better we can be better through pressure if we have ways of managing the pressure. And um, 
this is what the inquiry is about, really, is how does everybody in different organisations, in different walks of life, as parents, as, as professionals, how, how do we recognise pressure and then decide, OK, I'm going to grow through it? Yeah. Pressure is a request you put upon yourself, isn't it? Just put it in a nice way. Yes. <laughs> I don't think I was... I don't think I was requesting much of myself in my 20s, probably. <laughs> so now you just, you know. But once you start yeah. to ask something of yourself, then you've got to give it back. So then you. Yes. And the thing that's really struck me in this conversation, Louise, is the power of rebel for you. I, I don't know why I say that, but there's just something in that when you start to sort of. I don't know. It, I can't. I can't choose another word other than there's a sort of rebel rebel or pushback or no I'm not going to do it exactly that way I might do it this way but I need to find my way that's actually what happened in the um in in the tv because of course poor tv people say could you say it like this and they kept on kept on giving me a little hopeless with Louise I think that's the worst thing anyone could say to you (laughs) they quickly quickly realized that they let me roll with it I think I think Jamie might have had a word behind the scenes but you know but it was much better that way because then I could find my way. But I've been so lucky to be able to do that and be allowed to do that. I would have made I would, I would have made such an appalling employee in so many industries. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You need no, your I, autonomy. You need that sense of autonomy. I, yes, I think so. I think I need. I think I do, and I, I hope I recognise that in other people. Yeah. Great place to stop. Thank you, Louise, so much. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Lovely to talk to you, Sarah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Better Under Pressure with me, Sarah Milne-Rowe. If you enjoyed it, please do subscribe and let us know what you found useful or what you'd like to know more about. Our aim is to share as many examples as possible of what people do to manage pressure for better. If you're interested in any of the practices mentioned, check out my book, The Shed Method. Alternatively, you can find us at Coaching Impact or me on LinkedIn and Instagram. Better Under Pressure was produced by the fab team at Smart Cookie Media. Thanks so much for listening and until next time, goodbye.